Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. This week we're taking on a Jackie Chan film and we've never talked about Jackie Chan really before and we've got a very special guest to help us out with it. Uh, so joining me, Alan, and as usual, Sol. Hello. We have Imran Yusuf. Hello. Hello. Awesome. Hey. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really uh, I'm excited about this because I love talking about Jackie Chan and specifically about the armor of God. So um, you're going to struggle to keep this to, you know, an hour or so. <laughs> <laughs> so would you consider yourself a Jackie Chan expert then or is that big words? Uh, absolutely. Like I am I I think I'm I am his son. Like <laughs> he, he doesn't know about me but I am his son. Well can can we start then? Can we start by by sort of getting your background like in terms of how did you discover Jackie Chan why do you love uh, his film so much how did I discover Jackie Chan well like the basically like anybody who lives in the west did from the local video shop remember that <laughs> remember before Netflix huh? remember you had to go to this shop that had a, a selected amount of films that had been in the cinema like two years earlier right yeah. and you'd go there and you could take any one film out just one film right and uh, and you could take it home for a couple of days and watch it um <laughs> on vhs which is vastly superior oh, yeah. to, to you know uh, all the digital media we have now because remember <laughs> when you used to rewind on 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 a vhs it used to take you where you wanted to go right <laughs> rather than oh no i've just skipped 15 scenes backwards i did not intend for this to happen what is wrong with technology so it was the local video shop um and i think what happened is that when we moved to so i used to live in hackney and then we moved to harrow northwest london and for the first few months I, um I, whilst my parents were trying to figure out where the nearest school was and uh in, the school was very near they just didn't make the effort to go and look for it <laughs> Um, when they were trying to figure out how to get me to school, like I we sp I spent a lot of time at home, and my mum was running the shop during the day. Uh, my dad would be out at work, work, and so in order to keep me placated, they're like, right, get a video, put it on, he'll watch it, you know, what I mean? and he'll leave us alone. And um, somebody thought it'd be a good idea to get this film called The Armor of God, starring this guy called Jackie Chan, who's not <laughs> Bruce Lee, who's nothing like Bruce Lee, right? Mm -hmm. But he's a Chinese guy who does kung fu nonetheless. And I watched that film and when it was time to return the film to the video shop, I took it back to the video shop and I took it back out again. And I did that for weeks. <laughs> I did. I couldn't stop watching Armor of God. I just I, I didn't even know there are other Jackie Chan films at this point. <laughs> I just I watched it so many times that the, the video shop guy was just like, look at me going, you know, you, you could have bought it now and owned it by the time the amount of times you spent money on it. And then I remember my brother telling me off and he goes, don't rent this again. Get another film. Don't take it out again. And I came back home with it. <laughs> yeah, I came back home. So, so how old were you at that point? I was eight years old. Oh, blimey. The perfect age for it, I think. Yeah, this film really works to an eight-year-old level. <laughs> well, uh, it's, um, I, I talk about this film and the significance of Jackie Chan in my life in my uh, Radio 4 comedy pilot, which is available right now on BBC oh. Sounds, if you care to have a look at it. Shameless nice. plug right at the top. <laughs> right? Um, and yeah, and then after that, and then I discovered Jackie Chan had made other films. Uh, they all involved Kung Fu. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it all involved beating the crap out of bad guys and um i that was it that i fell in love with jackie chan he is my here i've got two of his autobiographies up uh in the top leftmost corner of my bookshelf because i've put everything in order of importance so <laughs> jackie chan is right there at the top <laughs> yeah so jackie chan uh, obviously appeals to children and well and i must admit i'm not I, i'm not particularly au fait with uh, Jackie Chan films in general. I've seen a couple of the the major ones. Yeah, so I, I, watched... I, I will warn you, Imran. Alan is um, he's kind of the resident grump here. So oh, right, <laughs> he right, might. Right, I don't know how he's gonna feel about this film. He might. He might be nice to it. He might go hard on it. <laughs> to be fair, like kung fu films as that as a genre, it's just not really my cup of tea. However, having said that comedy action I, mm. I can get on board with that I'm a big fan of Dwayne The Rock Johnson you probably love Rush Hour don't you about <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. this was a, a new one for me this specific film I just watched it mm -hmm. uh, yesterday in preparation for this have you ever seen a Jackie Chan like a real Jackie Chan film before out of interest 
I think so, but it, yeah, I have, but like not to be easily pull it to memory and go, oh, yeah, I know what that's all about. So this was a fairly new thing right. to me. It did, although it did bring to mind something we watched on the show recently, Amran. Uh, we did Mortal Kombat, the classic <laughs> mid-90s film. And it was like, oh yeah, this is like, if if you made Mortal Kombat but didn't take yourself too seriously, this is, this is, this is actually quite good. <laughs> Having that comedy element to it and just going, all right, look, this is stupid and we know it is, Absolutely, so it's fun, yeah. makes a big difference because I just can't take kung fu films seriously. Well, 100%. I, it, it actually it reminds me watching it um we we do a lot of james bond stuff on this podcast um with mm. our regular guest calvin james bond expert and alan and i don't really like any of them with a couple <laughs> of exceptions and this really felt to me like this is that same kind of james bond energy but done well like it's got a nice sense of humor and the character's actually likable he's not a horrible <laughs> man um i had a weird relationship with jackie chan as as a kid because i think i know him best for the cartoon series jackie chan adventures oh i don't know god. oh my god <laughs> Oh, you're 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 much younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was aware of him, but then this cartoon series started, and to this day, I will stand by that show as an excellent, excellent piece of work. Far better than it has any right to be. You know, far better than a show that's based on a celebrity that just makes up a load of stuff about magic and demons. Yeah. Um, has any right to be the the second season of that show when it gets into this whole plot with demons taking over the world is is like it's incredible it's a great show i've i've watched it since as an adult and it you know it's right up there with the best kind of kids animation i've seen oh wow but that show is obviously a, a love letter to Jackie Chan. Not only is he the main character, voiced by someone else, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's full of references. Like, there's an episode called Armour of Gods, um, which is obviously a nod to this film. Uh, mm -hmm. I think all the episodes were named after his films. Like, Project A for Astral was, like, obviously a reference <laughs> to Project A. And... Yeah. So I, I kind of learned about him from that show, I think. And it was amazing mm -hmm. watching this film last night. Like, there were, there were musical cues in the film that I knew from the cartoon. I didn't, like, know the extent to which they were kind of riffing on what he does. But I remember mm -hmm. that made me a big fan of him. And then I stayed up late one night to watch uh, Who Am I on Channel 5, which I think yeah. is kind of his... Probably his most like mainstream breakthrough film, I think, um, other than the, the actual Hollywood ones. That's really interesting to hear what you think is a breakthrough film for him in terms of Jackie Chan was... Um... You know, there was he was he was a poor stunt man in Hong Kong for a long time. Yeah. Everybody was trying to be Bruce Lee, um, and then one day he found you know his agent to who totally believed in him. Uh, basically, went do what you want to do. You know, everyone's mm. trying to be Bruce Lee. Everyone's trying to make you Bruce Lee. You do what you want to do, and then he created what he wanted to create, and then he became bigger than Bruce Lee. He became the biggest star in Asia. Um, and he was huge in Asia, just like so big. He became quite arrogant. Like the stories of him, he became so big in Hong Kong. Like he would walk into the poshest restaurants wearing his shorts with his entourage <laughs> of, of lads. And they would go, sorry, but they're, you know, you can't wear shorts in this restaurant. And he's like, I'm Jackie Chan. <laughs> and, and, and the truth is, he he was right. They couldn't stop him. He was Jackie Chan. They were like, are we going to stop Jackie Chan eating this restaurant? Like, are we going to tell him to put trousers on? No, you're not, because he's Jackie Chan. There's a beautiful story. He was dating like a really famous actress. She was beautiful and she was doing a film. She was doing a separate film in which she was going to be doing uh, all of her stuff and there was going to be martial arts in it. And he found out and he turned up on set with his entire team and he took over the choreography of the martial arts section and they couldn't stop him he just turned up and he goes i'm doing this and so he was big and then he tried to make it in america and there was a full start so before mm. rush hour which was actually so and before rumble in the bronx which is what really mm. made him which would allowed rush hour to happen mm. he did a film called the protector which was to be honest quite awful it was very american <laughs> and by american i meant it had swearing Jackie Chan shooting a gun and killing people and Ooh. naked women a lot Ooh. of naked women like proper nakedness as well and so <laughs> and that film didn't endear him to an American audience because it wasn't 
it wasn't about what Jackie Chan's about, which is being an underdog and standing up for your friends and not killing people, right? Because mm. in yeah. all of his classic films, he never kills the bad guy. He, in fact, he saves them. He'll always like, beat them up and then save their life, right? <laughs> so they can go to jail. And then, um, and then Rumble in the Bronx happened when mm. he was, you know, heading towards his 40s or something. And, and then suddenly it was like, okay, Jackie Chan's going to make it in America. And then Rush Hour happened. But my opinion is, is Rush Hour and all those American films, they're not real Jackie Chan films. Mm. The real Jackie Chan films are Armor of God, Wheels and Meals, Dragons Forever, uh, Project A, Project A Part 2. Um, Drunken Master? Yeah, Drunken Master. Well, that's one of the few I've seen. <laughs> those those films are real Jackie Chan films where he has creative control. But when he goes to America, there's insurance people all over the place. There's you know there's health and safety people all over the place <laughs> ruining everything. They're just ruining everything, right? So um, you know if you look at the stunts that he does in his Hong Kong films, you no one in the West would do them. No one like it because you'd be mad. I was thinking that just watching this this film. Uh, in general, not just what Jackie Chan's doing, some of the other stunts as well. It was like, mm. there's one bit where a guy kind of does a backflip, lands on his shins on the edge of a table, and then relaunches himself and does another backflip <laughs> to land on the floor. Like, yeah, that must be yeah. so painful. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch that, if you watch that scene that you're talking about there very, very carefully, in in the wide shots, when you get to see the faces of the bad guys, they're all Europeans. But when they actually do the fights, they're Chinese guys yeah. wearing wigs. Some very dodgy wigs. Only my because it's really funny. Like Jackie Chan has his own stunt team. Like there's a proper like school of stunt. Uh, right. of stunt people that come from his school of kung fu who know how to take a hit and how to take a fall and to as far as i know only one white guy has made it onto the stunt team and that is uh bradley allen who's australian he's also very very short so he blends in with the rest of um the rest of the chinese <laughs> stunt team and bradley allen uh brad allen is in um uh gorgeous and he was in, I think, one of the Rush Hours, maybe Rush Hour 2. Um, but he is the one non-Chinese person on Jackie Chan's stunt team, which is a, that's a big deal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to be an outsider and to make it amongst hardcore Chinese Opera Academy students mm. as a stunt person is is a huge achievement. Yeah, I mean, that, that does also explain why at one point Jackie Chan fights uh, four women. Uh, until it kind of cuts to the other angle and it's like <laughs> looks like Tim Curry and Rocky Horror Show. They're like proper martial artists, but obviously they're not that they're not stunt people and actors, yeah. which is a very different thing. Mm. Uh, but that scene where he has to fight those women is uh, is incredible because they were incredibly good, and uh, I'm always impressed when I watch that film. I'm always impressed. And I remember the songs. <laughs> you know, you were talking about the arrogance that he had at one point. And I did notice that he he's the credited director of this film. Mm -hmm. uh, he dubs himself into English and he sings the songs uh, used in the, the soundtrack. He sat, He sings the ending song, Higher Than yeah. High. I wish for Higher Than yeah. High into the sky. I wish for... <laughs> He has a very uh, successful musical career, Jackie yes, Chan. Yes, he, he does. In China, yeah. I forget the name of it now. There's a song of his that I got really into a few years ago called My Girl or something like that. Is it the one, Is it the song from Mulan? No, no. It was, um, it's like this 80s pop song he released. That it's like, my girl. <laughs> My girl. 
really catchy stuff. He's not just a stuntman. He was... So his parents sold him into a Chinese opera academy for 10 years. His parents were poor. They had escaped the mainland uh, to get to Hong Kong. Oh, how times have changed. Um, <laughs> and in Hong Kong, they were the servants to fr the French colonial family that lived in the big house. And they lived in the wow. servants' quarters. And every morning, his dad would wake him up, teach him Kung Fu. And because they, they were the servants of rich colonial Europeans, he was afforded to get a proper education. Like he was allowed to go to the good school that he couldn't afford to go to if his parents weren't servants but he didn't fit in because he was going to school with rich kids and he wasn't rich and then so what happened they then got a job in Australia being servants for an Australian family and they couldn't afford to take him so they contractually sold him into a Chinese opera academy for 10 years in which uh, he had the crap beaten out of him um, in order to become a, re a really good uh, performer singing dancing acting martial arts and that's where in the opera academy he met Sammo Hong and Yun Biao Sammo Hong was the older guy who bullied everybody and they all hated him <laughs> and Yun Biao was the younger guy that Jackie Chan would protect over 10 years later when they were struggling and you know trying to make money they became they they truly, their brotherhood was strengthened and they started making films together. And that's why like, Dragons Forever and Meals on Wheels is so good. It's so good. <laughs> and Project A, which they're all in. That is fascinating though, yeah, like to be the project that they literally known each other since they were kids mm. and, and, and the energy that that will bring, especially if they've been performing together for that long. Yeah. It does just, yeah. it does just breed a, a, a harmoniousness. It's a sense of fun that I think really permeates the, the real, as you say, Jackie Chan films because yeah. um what i didn't say before when when i did watch who am i um as a kid i think they aired it with a kind of biographic uh documentary about jackie chan beforehand mm -hmm. And, you know, at this time I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a stuntman. Uh, I'm going to, you know, get really good at parkour and all these other things. And um, I don't know, I watched it and just thought like, oh, this, is, this isn't very good at all. And then, you know, after that, I think I saw some of the American films that were coming out at the time, like um, mm. the, the remake of Around the World in 80 Days he did with Steve Coogan and Shanghai <laughs> Nights and things. Which is a know, real have... high point of his career. <laughs> it's like he makes them agree to one scene where he gets to be Jackie Chan in those films. Yeah. And those scenes yeah. are incredible, but then the rest of the films, eh. I do remember a singing in the rain sequence in, I think, Shanghai Nights that is just beautiful stuff where he gets to, you know, fight people with an umbrella. But I kind of just thought, oh, I guess Jackie Chan isn't all that. And it's really only now that I'm like a pretentious film fan that I've started going back to it. And I, I watched a few years ago The Legend of Drunken Master and its sequel. I watched Project uh, Rumble in the Bronx even quite recently. Mm. And yeah, I, I do want to see all of his films, I think. The real Jackie Chan films, there is this great, charming, lovable energy. It's everything that made me like him as a kid. He's just, he's mm. such a likable person <laughs> with like a screen presence. And it it actually reminded me, you know, what you were saying about how he's quite sanitized. He doesn't, you know, go for the kind of violence that you tend to associate with kung fu movies and what have mm. you. It reminds me a bit of Will Smith, who I was also really into as a kid, who, you know, again, kind of took rap music, but was like, eh, I'm going to do, you know, a friendly version of this. My grandma doesn't like it when I swear. I'm not going to swear. And <laughs> and I was obsessed with Will Smith as uh, as a kid as well. So it's nice to have these people who are yeah. friendly yeah. And, and safe and <laughs> yeah. have the sharp and it, edges worn. And it's, not, and it's not safe in a, like, kind of, you know, they're not deliberately sanitizing it because, like, oh, they don't want someone to be offended. It's like, yeah. no, what I learned from, you know, the fact... It's true he's to not, him. He, he's a good person. He stands up for what is right. He stands up for his friends. And that's what he did in real life as well. Like he, he could he could never accept it. If he saw his friends getting picked on, like he would intervene. Like he's like, this cannot happen. I have to protect my friends. And by watching his films, that like he never shoots anybody to kill them. He mm -hmm. never physically injures somebody to, to death. Like he always has this, he, he has this empathy even for his enemies. And you're just like, wow, like this is kind of people that we believe that our religions are founded on. That, you know, the person who's like, oh, Santa Ford is right yeah. but you know and I'll, and I'll beat you up but I won't kill you like I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself and in many of his films it's in Who Am I remember that there's that scene where he's being chased up a car park by the bad guys mm. and uh, that, that and they manage to they almost drive off the edge of the car park at the highest level and he manages to get by and he pushes the bonnet down so the car doesn't tip over and they all get out and they all thank him right and then, <laughs> and then they're like hold on but we need to kill him and then they all chase him again 
I think the sense of humor in these films is great as well. And, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of um, Stephen Chow, who I suppose is quite similar. He, you know, Hong Kong comedy kung fu movies is kind yeah. of his whole thing. So, and, and it strikes me like it must be a kind of Hong Kong sense of humor because it is very similar. I've been watching a lot of Stephen Chow's like really early movies recently. And there's some great gags in in uh, The Armor of God, like the, the bit that springs to mind where I just thought this is fantastic. He, uh, um, he was all strapped up with dynamite yeah. <laughs> uh, in the bad guy's lair at the end, and he was threatening to to blow it up. And, <laughs> and then they all, you know, he, he lights the fuse, they all duck and cover, and then he's there, like, stamping <laughs> up, trying to put it out really <laughs> manically. And then he accidentally lights another one without realising, and he's just there like, hey guys, it's alright. And, you know, I just thought, this is... This is played so well. He's such a good comedic performer as well. Like, he can sell these gags, and it's obviously his sense of humour. It's not like when you see Jason Statham in a comedy, and he's obviously being crammed into (laughs) a hole that he doesn't quite fit into. Uh, You know, whether or not he gets away with it. It just feels organic. And and I think that goes back to what you were saying about um, the energy with his friends. It it just, just watching his films feels really nice and pleasant and yeah friendly <laughs> i think maybe i remember one of my earliest memories as a child is like i hated feeling powerless They're like if somebody pushed me around or bullied mm. me in the playground i hated the feeling of being powerless like and i still resent mm. it today like a uh, you know i, I think but you know remember bullies aren't just in the playground you know the bullies are everywhere throughout your entire life they're not just in the playground some teachers are bullies when you end up getting a job some you know bosses are bullies mm. colleagues can be bullies uh as we can see around the world political leaders are bullies and no one should feel powerless no one should ever feel that they don't have a right to dignity and speaking up and reminding people of that is important but then just watching Jackie Chan made me go I can be that guy like I can I can take on bad guys right mm-hmm. and, and teach them a lesson and and armor of god just really that you know that film is a uh... did you take up martial arts as a child <laughs> I, d- I took up martial arts when I was 14. Like, I wanted to take up martial arts when I was eight after I discovered Jackie Chan. But um, I guess um, my parents weren't very clued in into what was available to around them. That they, right. they didn't... Like, now, you Google it, you find out, you know, you you can find out where the nearest anything is. Yeah. But back in, you know, 87, 88, when I was like, oh, I want to do what this guy's doing, they didn't know the first place to look. You know, they, they, mm. I don't know whether you would have found it in the yellow pages, their kung fu school or whatever. They could have sold you to. A, a yeah, oh, I, was, yeah, I wish they did. I wish that was like, oh, I'll see, you, I'll see you again when I'm like 18. <laughs> what I learned from doing martial arts was I still remember the the punches and the kicks and the blocks, and mm. if I had to use them now, I would be able to within the you know for someone who hasn't trained. Like I've yeah. learned how to punch. Yeah. I've learned how to block. I've learned. Uh, weirdly, I was at a gig a few years ago and uh, a comedian who will remain nameless right uh, thought it would be funny as he went round the room that it's it's a weird thing men men play this like alpha male game for some reason well not men insecure men like to play this alpha male game right um all right you size up who's in the room who's who's the most important the most famous and there was a famous comedian like a real famous comedian in the room uh and then there was you know the the comedian who'd organized the gig and then there was me right who was the skinniest and you know least important and the comedian thought it'd be funny as he went and shook everybody's hand when he shook my hand he shook my hand and then he thrust his elbow straight into my chest and went boom like that just just, boom and i'm like and it hit me right here and i I flew back i'm like what dude what the hell was that and he's like well you've got to be ready you gotta, oh, gotta be ready man if it's gonna kick off you gotta be ready and i was like what the hell was that and then i just thought i, I was so stunned by it and then he started doing other moves on me he started, came up to me he started to like get into my space and i was like uh, this guy doesn't know who i am and the next thing he's on the floor and i've got him in a full body lock like, i've got his head in his arms like a, a total like mma lock and as he did that, someone took a picture to go, I can't believe Imran Yusuf has just put this guy into like a full like martial arts lock on the floor. And what he did, and the comedian, in order to save his pride, he just went limp. He's just like, yeah, I'll let you make all the effort. Yeah, I just... Because he couldn't get out of it. He couldn't get out of it. And then, it's like when um, Rod Hull and Emu were attacking Snoop Dogg on that, <laughs> on that chat show. And then the camera sort of cut away and then cut back and Snoop Dogg had him in a headlock. 
I'm not seeing this. I need to see this. <laughs> it's amazing stuff. Please make sure that's in the link when this goes yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm learning from this is the stand-up circuit is a bit like prison rules. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You gotta find the biggest guy and then try and beat him up to make an impression. <laughs> and I think Jackie Chan has that kind of you know lovable underdog energy because you he's he's not an imposing man to look at him. You know. Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing of like we've all got that. There's a Jackie Chan in all of us. Should we should we kind of get into the film itself a bit then? I mean, I, the first thing I noticed in the very opening little sequence where we establish the character is just like, this is very Indiana Jones-esque, isn't it? Yes. You could tell when this was made. <laughs> I, I think yeah. Indiana Jones was like a specific influence on this one in particular from what I've read. Yeah. But I, I do have to say, in terms of things that perhaps haven't aged well, the film <laughs> opens with Jackie Chan... You know, and a load of sort of native tribesmen. He's stealing an artifact from them. He kind of just <laughs> what, he like tries to communicate with them by like shouting a load of gibberish. He just sort of goes up and up and up and they're sort of like what? Yeah, it was uh, that has not aged well at all. That that, 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 that has not aged. But you know, you could uh, not in defence. I mean, and all those native people, I think, are basically Europeans who have been browned up. <laughs> yeah quite weirdly and de that's definitely it was never acceptable but we, the, the reason it happened wasn't it wasn't an overt racist decision i oh, think yeah. that was just unfortunately it was a very accepted and ignorant way to portray a native people i mean i think now you know looking back loads not in its defense at all loads of people did it because it was just if we don't know any better we will accept what is kind of normalized to us probably what saves it it was they didn't tell you what the name of those people were what yeah, country they true. were from or what culture <laughs> they were just made up yeah. they were just you know they were they were practically orcs right they yeah, were just yeah. you know just that's what they're meant to be and then the film you know carried on um in its fashion and quite interestingly you know the hot babe of the show the hot european babe in the show mm. is a uh, lola fauna who was also in wheels and meals and um in mm. the project day films as well i believe uh she also appeared in those and she was a, a model i think she was like a spanish or portuguese model or something like that they knew that in order for the film to be able to sell in other territories that they needed to have more than chinese people in it needed to be set somewhere in europe or somewhere in the west they need to have europeans in it and so he did that but he still retained his creative mm. license to to make the best kung fu fight scenes <laughs> ever and that's so getting into the film you've got to hands down say oh yeah the, the best martial arts scenes are, are jackie chan's they're the best the best of the best like nothing touches them um although i do give kudos to the raid the first oh, raid film yeah. oh yeah uh, but that's very different it was very brutal like that was mm. all that was all blood and guts that film <laughs> generally speaking action isn't enough for me in a movie like i yeah. i need like a strong story or something there and you know i i do enjoy action but i i will often just switch off if a movie is just action it, it just doesn't yeah. do it for me but there's there's something about how it's done in jackie chan's movies that i find really engaging like it isn't just people punching each other you know mm -hmm. there's always a gimmick like the the classic one i think maybe this is the cartoon i'm thinking of but the classic <laughs> one for me was always there's you know a priceless vase in the room and he's trying to you know because he, he was a he was an archaeologist in that cartoon so it was always trying to preserve the artifacts while the henchmen are coming at him he don't care and he'd be there you know or i think is there a film where he's he's got a baby that he's trying to protect while he's fighting and things like that have i just imagined <laughs> that it's that kind of you know extra element that just makes it really interesting and and it's it just something about how it's shot and the choreography yeah this is a film that is kind of all about the fight scenes and the action sequences and it really works here i think yeah like for, for me the the difference is that he's injecting humor into it like i said yeah and it is extraordinarily creative and it's yeah it, it, it is just like you just give jackie chan an item and then he'll do some he'll, he'll fight with it <laughs> but like in a in an interesting way like even even to the point there's there's a running gag through this film that the way he puts chewing gum into his mouth is different every time and he's just, yeah. just trying to 
<laughs> up himself. You know what? It's really changed now because um, the armor of God that I grew up watching is not the same armor of God that you would have seen. And the reason is this, mm. is that so the VHS copy that I would have watched back in the 80s, it was dubbed by an actual, like an actual American oh, really? actor. Yes. What had happened after Rumble in the Bronx flew and then Rush Hour came out, all of his movies were re-released in the West on DVD and then he got to dub them in English. Right. Yeah. Right. Also, or, yeah, and it wasn't there. So I remember in the original dub that I watched, these are the lines that he said that the that American actor said dubbing Jackie Chan's voice. He goes, when I was a kid, I dreamt about being a hero, saving people and doing good deeds. But the actual Cantonese translation was when I was a kid, I dreamt of being like Jesus Christ, like, uh, you know, saving people and doing good deeds. But they thought, well, if you say that, you know, you might lose some people. You know, why is the it. Chinese guy talking about, you know, Jesus? But yeah, that, now that copy, that VHS copy of Armor of God, like I, I've, I've tried to find it and I can't, you know, I want the copy that I grew up with, but I can't find mm. it. That dub. And I don't know who <laughs> that actor was either. Like who did the voices <laughs> for Jackie Chan in those films? Because that's who Jackie Chan was to me. Yeah. was that voice was that american actor's voice the the backstory of the jackie chan character here is that he was in a pop group that appeared to be like books fizz or something yeah. like that. <laughs> a very 70s kind of pop group but then he was spurned for love and so he became a soldier of fortune i mean it's an obvious yeah. <laughs> career route isn't it you don't know how close like robbie from take that <laughs> <laughs> came to going to fighting isis in syria <laughs> <laughs> It's a beautiful backstory. They managed to cram it in in about five minutes. So, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, uh, <laughs> find some fancy armor. So then they are chasing this specific the armor of God, which is five mm. pieces. And there's some backstory to why that is, but it's not really important. The point is that he's going to go and fight some people. And then they're going to save uh, the the girlfriend who's been kidnapped. There's another woman who is the European woman you were mentioning there. Yeah. She, and, and that's quite a nice dynamic. So the, the main group of three, nice dynamic. And the, the, the woman there, she's kind of goes toe-to-toe with them for the most part, which is quite nice, particularly for an 80s movie. She's not uh, a damsel in distress. Uh, she's a strong character yeah. and there's a little bit of free song between her and Jackie Chan that never quite really goes anywhere but there is a really nice scene where they're going around her apartment or whatever it is and mm. and uh, yeah Alan Tam is kind of hiding and again when we we're just talking about being creative with the space and all that it was that was just really nicely choreographed just jumping from one cupboard to another like shifting mm. things and, and just hiding it it felt like comedy like farcical comedy but in quite a realistic way yeah <laughs> which for, which for farce is quite good. That scene you're describing there has a deleted uh, scene. So in the version that I grew up watching, they had taken it out, and then I discovered that there was a version. There's a there's a dream sequence where Jackie Chan uh, dreams that he's being chased by his car, uh, and there's like a checkered floor or something. And that that wasn't in the version that I grew up watching. Oh, I don't and it's think around I saw the that. scene. That, yeah, so it's weird that there's. It's also an earlier on. You were talking about who am I, and I believe in mm. the original Chinese version, the Hong Kong version of who am I. There's a scene they took out in the western release maybe because it was really dangerous so what this african tribe is helping him recuperate after he lands like you know where they live and there's a scene where he's dressed like he's masai mara like he's part of the masai sorry and um he picks up a lion cub and they're like put it back put it back put it back and then he's chased by a lioness up a tree and they show the scene and what they've done in the scene they've got Jackie Chan on a wire that you can't see and as the lioness chases him he runs up the tree as the wire is pulling him up and he avoids the claw swipe of the lioness and I went wow he's amazing like I believed he really did it when I saw it as a teenager I think that scene has been taken out of the western release I saw later on maybe because they're like we don't want kids copying this (laughs) (laughs) I don't think this is a safe thing to show people Uh, well you're saying that the other things that are in this film are perfectly safe (laughs) yes Yes, everything else base jumping onto a hot air balloon (laughs) yeah base jumping onto a, 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 a hot air balloon or or sliding down the sloping building in Rotterdam. Yeah. Uh, that that that's that's perfectly fine. We'll understand if you do that, but just don't mess with the lion with the lion cubs. The the plot is there. There's some sort yeah. of plot, but let's focus on the action scenes. Let's let's go there. So yeah. N- Near the end, he does base jump off a cliff, uh, which then mysteriously disappears, and he's in the <laughs> ten thousand feet up in the air. 
It's a very high cliff. It's a very, very high cliff. And he lands on a hot air balloon, which then somehow he manages to abseil off of. I don't know what he's attached to. It's so awkwardly filmed, that bit, that you know it's, like, really happening. Like, that's what I like, is you sort of think, right, this is so kind of weirdly shot. He's really up there on that balloon. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, like, he he did it. He clearly jumped out of it. Like, they cut it. Probably did, like, you know, 17 different takes. <laughs> right, at least but you know he, he he did obviously jumped out of a plane landed in a hot air balloon and then did <laughs> all right now we need to get that make sure that that abseiling equipment is available <laughs> and then he climbs into the hot air balloon and you're like oh just all, all you know all, all in a day's work for jackie chan it's <laughs> a regular day for him it reminded me of james bond because it's the sort of thing almost that you'd see in a james bond movie but yeah it would just be a bit too glossy and blatantly, you know, a stuntman, or it just doesn't work in James Bond for me. Whereas here, it's like, wow, that's that's just really impressive. I can just sit and watch this. It's because, yeah, in a Bond film, everything it's like, okay, so the stuntman's going to do this. We have to shoot this from behind. A quick cut here so the wig doesn't show. Blah 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 <laughs> blah. Whereas with this, it's like, look, Jackie Chan is abseiling off a hot air balloon, so we're going to stick a nice static shot on it and show <laughs> yeah. him doing it. And yeah. so the editing is totally different. It's not even, it's not as dynamic even because it just feels slower. But speaking that, of Bond yeah. there, actually, uh, there was another really Bond moment where they're about to get shot in their car and he just sort of like presses a button and a little tiny car comes out of the bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> and, they just, and it was like, where did that come from? That didn't fit with anything else. Uh, apparently um, in every film Jackie Chan would do Mitsubishi would give him like I think two free cars right yeah. like they go you do what you want to do Just to, so that's why there's always a Mitsubishi car in his film and uh, that, that little tiny escape pod in his car was hysterical it was a great idea clearly like, how are you going to escape being uh, rammed by two Land Rovers it was just not quite Bond because it, it, it required Jackie Chan to sit on Alan Tam's lap and, and escape and it's like it's a different attitude <laughs> I've made a, a note of a few lines that really made me laugh because the dub was so awkward. There was a line, for example, when um, the bad guy... What is it? The the, the main uh, female character's trying to, like, infiltrate the bad guys and she's going to hit him over... He's, like, trying to kiss her. Yeah. And she's going to hit him over the head with a, with a bottle. And I just wrote down because <laughs> he looks up and sees her before she does it. And it's such an odd moment. But I think it is partly the dub. The guy I just went, you're not a prostitute. He wanted to hit me in the head with that bottle. And he looks he looks really hurt. And it's like, I don't know what I don't know what this dynamic was that you thought you had before that. It's, I don't know, that you're so emotionally wounded. One, the bit that really made me laugh was after that. So she, yeah, she's pretending to be a prostitute at this point. And then a, a couple of scenes later, she's having an intimate moment with Jackie Chan. It looks like they're finally going to seal the deal. And uh, <laughs> And I'm sure as a, as a comedian, Imran, you can relate to this. We've all been in a situation where it's like, this is a really good opportunity for a joke, but it's going to ruin my chance <laughs> of getting laid here. And what I like about that is Jackie Chan goes for the joke. <laughs> he, says, <laughs> he says, am I going to have to pay for this? <laughs> <laughs> and she slaps him and he doesn't sleep with her. <laughs> but I respect it. All of his movies, I think in, in Twin Dragons, he did like a, a love scene and that was about it. Like that's as far as that, that, that but traditionally in his films he, he doesn't get the girl like he just saves the day but he doesn't get the girl i think we we know he could have got the girl if he wanted it that's that's all we need to know well you know it's really weird it's a cultural thing i think i grew up in a fairly conservative like muslim indian family and so mm. like sex scenes on tv like the moment that happened mm. every we were scrambling for the tv control <laughs> trying to change the channel right and and so and even now even now as an adult when there's a sex scene sex scene in a show i'm like why just what, like, I, I, like, I think it wastes time. Like, I, I just think it's a waste of time. Do, do you really think if somebody wants to watch sex scene, they can go onto, you know, somewhere on the internet? I don't know the name of the website. <laughs> don't ask me. What is it with this persecution? <laughs> and, <laughs> so you, you can go and find something that will be thorough and more to your liking. It, even, you know, not, not just sex scenes, but just like romantic subplot. I, obviously, it's fine if that's, you know, a significant part of the film. Do it, yeah. but. You know, like, 
I think I remember talking on this show about uh, is it the third Captain America movie? And they're like they're they're in the middle of you know rushing from this huge action scene in an airport to this other thing to save the world, huge stakes, and then out of nowhere they just pull over so Captain America can kiss. The, the niece of the woman he loves from the olden days. Oh, that's creepy. And she's 70 years younger than him as well. That's weird. We don't need him to have a love interest every film. There, there's other, you know, entertaining things happening. So I, I do like it when a film like this, you know, is is comfortable puncturing that a bit and being like, yeah, whatever. And I did read actually that um the, the original director of this film, Eric Sang, I think was quite a big driving force towards getting more women in there not in a kind of representation way in a kind of oh the men want to have some beautiful women in the film uh kind of way so i i get the impression that you know it, it was almost quite like jackie chan had pressure to add these romantic aspects into yeah, the yeah. films which you know makes sense so i, I like that mm. it's still quite at arm's length yeah actually speaking about that the, this film wasn't originally directed by jackie chan it was this guy called eric sang mm. and I was reading that apparently Jackie Chan had like the most hideously awful near-death experience oh, in his yeah. career on this film. Yeah, it, they they had to stop. That's why he, the the length of his hair changes at the start of the film and then shortly <laughs> after the first few shots. They're like, oh, now his hair's really long. Like, mm-hmm. what? How did he manage to have a haircut in the twenty seconds it's taken <laughs> to run from there to there? Or like, what's happened? And that was it. Yeah, in the, there's a scene right at the start of the film. He grabs a branch that snaps. And then he and, and he falls out of a tree and hits the floor and he ends up with a massive hole in his head. And they were out filming. I think they had to get to a, a, a hospital in the former Yugoslavia. Um, and it was all very, you know, it was a hole in his head. Like it was really, really bad. And then um, after that was sorted, he got back up and he made the film, <laughs> continued making the film after <laughs> almost dying on it. But that's it. He, he was out of action for... I think months, if not weeks. Yeah, yeah, and, it was uh, months. So Eric yeah. Sang, who was, you know, this high demand director, was like, well, you know, I, I love you, Jackie, but I've got to go make some other films, make some money. I can't sit around waiting for this. So mm-hmm. then when the production started up again, Jackie Chan was like, eh, I'll just do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll just do it. But yeah, apparently he's got like a, a plug in his yeah. skull to this day because there's like a piece of skull missing and he, he has to have it to like protect his brain. Yeah. Um, he's broken everything. Like in all of his films, Films, like he is you know th- th- he has sustained really horrible injuries so in armor of god he almost died in police story he burnt the skin off his hands by doing the pole slide um where the rest of his team ate cement flying off the bus right um that 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 i think is you need to see that scene in police story where where they all fly off the bus and you're like oh my god they really did that they really flew out of a bus like it stopped and they flew out the windows rumble in the bronx uh he mm. broke his foot on the hovercraft and if you watch very carefully towards the end of the film he's conti- he continues to make the film and what they've done they've put a they've basically more or less painted the shoe or put the shoe <laughs> over the cast <laughs> over his massive cast and he's continued to make the film that's fantastic <laughs> Is this some horrible, evil impulse I have? But like, I, I love it in a film when you do catch a real injury like that. Nothing too, <laughs> nothing too bad. But you know, like in Mission Impossible, whatever it is, when you see Tom Cruise jump across that building and you see the moment that he, you know, breaks a bone in his ankle and he's limping, it just adds this element of realism, this kind of sense of dedication to what they're doing. And it, you know, you don't need to know that's there. It just makes the film feel so much more authentic and obviously i don't want you know harm to come to the people making these films but i don't know they're they're like capturing these little moments of realism it's it's what you've just reminded me of there and this is completely unrelated um but what you should remind me there do you know the film predator the original predator so there is a very very brief second in which the character billy kicks a vulture like and he actually kicked the vulture and i remember as a kid at my brother going did he actually kick a vulture and you watch it and go he kicked a vulture like he actually and then i'd go to the credits and go you know that bit of like no animals were harmed yeah. in the making of this film i'm sure that's missing from that film. 
they kicked a vulture. Like they kicked it. He proper kicked it. Probably like wallop yeah. straight off. And I'm like, that surely that wow. He kicked an animal. And that's how Jackie Chan trains his stunt guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's brutal. Like I because remember the 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 Chinese Opera Academy he would have gone to um would have been breaking you know the kind of laws that would protect us and uh, but that's what made them good and it's a it's it's an ugly thing about humanity of just like you know just sometimes th- those those hard but still you know they didn't kill the children in the school they just beat them until they were perfect <laughs> but fortunately jackie chan suffered all of that so that he could entertain us and yes. he wanted to entertain us and we were entertained and inspired yeah we we always give our, our movies a little rating out of 10 at the end so i guess we'll do that now then uh, alan do you want to go first alan's usually the the <laughs> sort of more downbeat guy here oh, right, i can't okay. tell where he's going to go today today so. well uh, yeah i mean i'll be honest with you this this film and i think jackie chan films in general they fall under that category as we've discussed before a bit like laurel and hardy in that <laughs> okay. i I respect it and I respect the craft, but not necessarily enjoy it on the on the actual level that it's supposed to be. And it's fun. It is just a silly watch. If you're not trying to take it seriously, it's fine. And so on that on that level, I gave it a six out of ten. Oh, that I mean, that's quite good for you. Yeah. <laughs> can, can, can I can I just ask Alan? Okay, you're giving it a six out of ten. But if you could give the fight scene at the end of the film, right, from the whole time he's inside the mountain and he beat up a whole team of evil monks. And then a bunch of women as well, right? <laughs> right? That just that scene alone. What would you rate that for out of entertainment value? Just that scene itself. I'll give it a seven. Oh my god! <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I I feel like I'm being quite harsh as well here. Like I I did enjoy the film a lot, but it was very much like I love these little moments and and watching the whole thing as a whole. You know, there, there were moments where it was a bit slower, um, mm. but. I, I do love Jackie Chan and his whole thing, his oeuvre. I mean, to be honest, I, I think I've probably enjoyed Legend of Drunken Master a little bit more than this one, but this was good as well. So yeah, I, I, I give it a really solid 7 out of 10, which I also oh, feel wow. is okay. quite harsh after this discussion. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I'll give that final fight scene on its own a 9 out of 10. I think that's great <laughs> yeah. stuff. Great. Uh, yeah, Imran, and and feel free to go as high as you like with this. I, I, I'm biased. I'm biased. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm totally biased. Um, just if you're if you're uh, for me, it'll always be a ten because I, I can't because of what it means to me because my childhood yeah. is in that film. Um, it's it's great. You know, sure, it's it's you know, it starts off with a great action scene and then it can be quite slow for a while and then but that bit of the the, the whole the moment he enters that mountain to fight the monks. It is just absolutely extraordinary. Um, and every now and then, I'll just go on YouTube and watch Jackie Chan fight scenes from Armor of God or Wheels <laughs> and Mills. Just watch. You can just if you just type in Jackie Chan fight scenes and just let let the internet entertain you. It's I, I can't get enough of it. I, I've spent a fair bit of time in those sorts of quirky bars that'll just have like TV screens showing weird clips from old films in them, and I, I feel like Jackie Chan fight scenes are. <laughs> that sort of content you'd be in like a, a, a hipster bar and you turn the corner and you know there'd be a big screen with just jackie chan fighting someone but yeah we in theory we kind of pitch sequel ideas on this <laughs> podcast but um there are a couple of sequels already, yeah th- there's actually yeah. so there's uh, operation condor which is armor of god 2 and then there's chinese zodiac which is armor of god 3 uh so if i was going to pitch a sequel armor of god 4 starring jackie chan and me <laughs> um, that, that 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 is a dream come true. That would be the dream come true. I mean, I'd I'd watch it. I had a really quick glimpse at those sequels. So the the second one, it seems, is pretty well regarded, and that was made. Yeah, Operation Condor is great. And and then the third one, it looked like people weren't as into, but it was one of these more. I think it was from like twenty twelve. Yeah, it it wasn't as it wasn't as good. I think uh yeah it, it, stuff from that eighties early nineties era. Jackie Chan was just gold. Um, and I mean, the plot for that sounded a lot like the plot to Jackie Chan Adventures, certainly the first season, where um, <laughs> he's he's like hunting down artifacts that are all kind of tied to the Zodiac and each have like a, a Zodiac power. So I, I might I might have to check them out. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I mean, he's he's still working a lot. I, I had a look and he had about 10 films coming out in his, you know, IMDb page that are, you know, filming or what have you. And He's, yeah, uh, because he's, a, you know, yeah, just we can't get enough of him. Uh, and I just, we're all used to Jackie Chan being this lovable hero and making films to the standard and quality he does. Uh, if you want to see something slightly different, which is really good and will, uh, will allow you to see Jackie Chan in a different light, I'd recommend watching the Shinjuku incident, which is uh, mm. based on the true events of uh, Chinese uh, like immigrants, refugees who escape, who escape China and end up on the shores of Japan and end up in the criminal underworld in Tokyo. Mm. Um, and it's is that the more recent one where Jackie plays the kind of crime kingpin, like he's the villain, or am I thinking? Of yeah, something he, else? He, well, um, probably yes. Like he's not. I wouldn't say he's the kingpin, but he's so he ends up being one of the Chinese people who's living within the Japanese right. criminal underworld. And there's a division. There's the Japanese, you know, criminal underworld, and they allow the Chinese criminal underworld to exist, providing it doesn't encroach upon the Japanese. And uh, it's unbelievable. Like what happens is that first his his love, you know, his girlfriend goes to japan going you know i'll wait for you when you get when you know when you get to japan come look for me and then he ends up there you know they they they, they wash ashore they and they dodge the police and then he finds out that his girlfriend his love has married a yakuza boss and so he can never have her also it being based on true events and also his acting like he just he's not doing lovable you know jackie chan kung fu he's doing mm. something very real and the performance it just you know, suddenly to see my favorite kung fu hero actor doing something quite serious, but still fighting, mm. um, or something else, and also just the story of how much suffering that these Chinese uh, refugees, these immig- these immigrants who, or migrants that are trying to escape the hell of the mainland, uh, ha- ha- what they have to do to survive in Japan. So I would highly recommend that the Shinjuku incident. Nice. Uh, before we before we finish, on the note. <laughs> <laughs> before we finish, Imran, I've I've got to ask yeah. you. Um, now I know you you appeared in the film Finding Fatima. Oh, <laughs> um, which, yes, I d- produced by Sol. Uh, so I just wondered if you if you had any stories of his his terrible producer no, antics. You know what? I I googled that and I remember I was like, holy crap! Did he? Because I've I've kind of forgotten about it because um, I, <laughs> so I, I remember else. just I, I think I, I think what had happened. I think uh, because the filming because my I, I was only in a few scenes, so like I turned up, did one scene, and then was away for like weeks or whatever, and then came back, seen one film, and then I was gone. So, like, the memory I've got of it is... uh, I remember it's the first time I've seen actors, the main actor, have to wear uh, a bin bag to have lunch. (laughs) Because he was in a nice suit, we couldn't afford to get him in and out of it during lunch. He he basically... They they, they punched a black bin bag and made him wear it, right? And then that's how he'd eat his lunch. (laughs) Like wow, this is this is this is how they make films, man. I was in a Amazon Prime um, thing that still hasn't gone out yet, and we were filming in Thailand, and um, which is in itself a bit of a holiday because we're like, all oh, right, yeah. got to go out to go out to Thailand. As we're filming there, it's like, yeah, you got to put on a black bin bag to have your lunch, and I'm like, I'm a proper actor now. I'm as important as Danny <laughs> from Finding Fatima. <laughs> yeah, have you have you got anything uh, that you'd like to? Play? other than your pilot that you mentioned earlier though you can mention that again if you like uh, well i guess i'll mention that again well I'm, I'm heading back out into the comedy clubs as lockdown restrictions are being lifted uh, yes i have a radio four comedy pilot out uh, at the moment called imran yusuf relabeled uh it's about me exploring about the labels that i've been born with and the labels that i've chosen um since it's the pilot i chose the label man what does it mean to be a man and heavily uh influenced by jackie chan so i, I mentioned jackie chan in that pilot it's available for free on bbc sounds uh and radio 4 so please look that up imran yusuf relabeled um and uh yeah ch- check out if you want to check out my, i've got seven million hits on youtube so you know i'm nice. quite funny uh d- <laughs> Please do check out my content and if you like it, share it uh, and uh, tell people about it. And uh, maybe one day Sol and I will get to work on a Jackie Chan film (laughs) and take a picture in black pin liners during lunchtime. (laughs) Well, I've just um, I've made a note of another quote from the film. uh, that I thought we could go out on because I it really did just sum up how I was feeling last night. Um, and that's the point where one of the bad guys just says, the only thing standing in my way is Alan. 
<laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>